Embassy City Church's audio podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message and his word today. For more information on our church, please visit us at embassycity.com. I'd like to start um, in the Gospel of Luke, the eighth chapter, and I'd like to read verses four through eight in your hearing. In the New Living Translation, it says, And one day Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. A farmer went out to plant his seed. As he scattered it across his field, some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on and the birds ate it. Other seeds fell among rocks. It began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. Still other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted. When he had said this, he called out, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Another scripture I'd like to read in your hearing is Proverbs 4 and 23. Now, the King James Version would tell us, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. The New Living Translation would say, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. This morning, I'd like to speak with you from the topic of, it's time to tend the garden. So, Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for this word. God, we thank you for the incorruptible seed that is the word of God. Lord, we just pray, God, that it just be planted, Lord, in each and every heart today, Father God. And we just put a demand on that seed that it bring forth fruit after its own kind and that harvest is born. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. One of the most influential people in my life was my great-grandmother. Okay, primarily when I was young, especially, I was raised by my grandmother and my great-grandmother. Now, my great-grandmother, to give you some context as to what kind of woman she was, she was born in 1908. I didn't learn to use a computer until I went to college. I had a cell phone way after all of my friends. I'm still learning social media within the last couple of years. Okay? So being raised by somebody born in 1908 has a way of shaping you. Because, see, when she came up, there was no such thing as indoor plumbing. Like, electricity had not been invented yet. Like, there were no telephones yet at the time. Cars were not there. She grew up, her teenage years were during World War I. She survived multiple world wars, survived a depression. Grew up in a time as her father was a sharecropper. She was a sharecropper, and it was his father's desire that his kids get education. Out of the 13 kids, uh, two were born, stillborn, the 11 that survived, my great-grandmother was able to go to school until the second grade until her father had to tell her, baby, we can't afford the pencil and paper anymore. I need you to come home and help me work on the farm. Without a worldly education, but full of hard work and wisdom, 
This is a woman whose DNA that I have running through my veins. So growing up with her, the perspective of 1908 was constantly reiterated in my life. Even into her 90s, she lived to be 96 years old, she kept a garden that was about an acre and a half. She did not believe in going to the grocery store to buy things. She would wring a chicken by its neck. If there was fruit that needed to be had, you need to go pick it. If there was vegetables, you needed to go get it. You needed to go clean it. And it was just this constant process of you live off the land. This, this cycle of seed time and harvest and this cycle of constant work and tilling and planting and reaping. And, and th- she knew no other way. There were times when I wondered, did you know that grocery stores had been invented? <laughs> I, I just wonder if the thought had ever crossed her mind because it crossed my mind all the time. I would be at school. What did y'all do this weekend? We went to the movies. We're riding our bike. We're going here. We're going to Six Flags. What did you do? I was working in a garden. So growing up, I remember when it was time for her to till the land. I would be following behind in a bucket with a bucket because she would say, after I till, it's going to break up anything that's old. It's going to break up anything that's hard. You need to come behind me and immediately take all the rocks that come up and put them in the bucket. Because when it's time to plant, we have to make sure that there's no rocks in the soil because it'll get the root. Then once you work and you till and then you get that ready, then it was planning time. She's like, well, I'm going to go before you because I want to make sure that the groove is deep enough. You come behind me and and I want you to plant and drop seeds. Make sure you don't put them too close together because then they're not going to have room to grow. But then they don't need to be spaced out too far either because you don't need to waste land. You need to make sure. So there was this whole science to it. So as an elementary school kid, I'm out there constantly with my grandmother working in this garden. Once it got to where everything was planted, I would think it was over. (laughs) Yes! Then I would think I could go out and play and she would say, well, Katie, come on, it's time to go tend the garden. Well, what do you mean it's time to tend the garden? Well, we need to go look at it. We need to check on it. We just did yesterday. (laughs) So every day she was out there. She said, because we have to make sure that what we want to grow is growing. And we have to make sure that there's not anything growing that we didn't plant that's going to keep from growing what we want to grow. So we're constantly out there, and, and even when it's time to, to pick the fruit, and, and you think there's over, and you think there's a break, and it never ends because it's time to do the process all over again. So what I learned from her was discipline and work. What I learned from her was the recipe of greatness was consistency. 
I understood that, see, anybody could get a garden. Anybody could get something to a nice spot and have it perfect and leave it. But what truly made sure that the land produced what it was supposed to produce was the constant maintenance that had to go on. See, I believe in the parable of the soils that that soil represents the the human heart. And throughout my time in ministry, a lot of time I meet people and people just kind of have a perception that we have a certain type of ground. I've heard people tell me, well, my ground is rocky. I can't produce this. Or I'm like that person in the Bible. I I have thorns in the ground. Or, oh, I have good ground. I have this and, and I have that. But what I learned from my grandmother was that it doesn't matter what type of ground you inherit. It's on you to get it to a state where it's considered good ground. It's on you to cultivate. It's on you to get the rocks. It's on you to clear the thorns. It's on you to create an environment conducive for growth and development. Two years ago when I became a homeowner of myself, the funniest thing happened. See, for years I dreaded and I always said I'd never be like my great-grandmother. I'd never be like my grandmother. I was sick of being outdoors. I was sick of planting flowers. I was sick of dealing with vegetables. I, I, I was not going to do that anymore. I would pay somebody to do it. But after I lost my great-grandmother when I was in high school and I lost my grandmother this uh, past December, seven months ago, it was almost like something just came on me to where I have to be outside now. So this whole spring and summer, I'm just constantly, I'm outdoors and I'm outdoors. And it's funny that it's a lot harder than what I remember it as a child. See, as hard as I thought I was working as a child, I realized that the parts that she had me do really were not that difficult. But I understood that although I was not able to do the work that she was doing at that time, what she was counting on me learning was the principle. So now, going into a garden, going into a flower bed of my own, I'm learning that to get it to grow what I want it to grow, first, I have to know my soil. See, the soil is our heart. One thing that's difficult when you're trying to plant something, if you don't have knowledge of the soil and the place that you're trying to plant, you'll spend a lot of wasted time and you won't be very efficient because you're going to be planting something and you have not taken the time to research and understand what your odds are, what you are even up against. Because, see, I understand. I inherited that yard two years ago when I bought the property, but the property did not just begin existing once it came to me. See, David said in Psalms that we are born in sin and we're shaping in iniquity. We're born with a heart that already has iniquity, deposits from previous generations. We're shaped in environment and circumstances to where we may not all just start off easily with good ground. 
Sometimes there may be ground that you inherit that's really rocky. Sometimes it's really thorny. But what I've really learned and I'm grasping now is that you have to know your soil because if you try to use just what somebody else told you to do for theirs, it may not be the same. I have a friend that lives in Denton, but their challenges of their, of their soil are not my challenges. See, I have a different environment from which I live, from which I come from. There, there are some places that, that they let you know certain things go better in certain ecosystems, certain environment. What grows well in Florida won't grow in Kansas. What goes well in California is not going to go well in Louisiana. But, it takes the, but you have to take the time to find out what do you even have. See... Sometimes we try to plant things without realizing that there's a generational rock of fear that has been lodged in our heart to where it looks like something can take root, but that rock is so large it keeps the water getting to the roots so that faith can't fully grow and develop. Some, sometimes there, there may be a rock of poverty, Sometimes there may be a stumbling block of, of, of a generational cycle of divorce. Sometimes there may be a block of pride that, that until it's dug up and uprooted. What I have learned this spring is that the longer you allow a root to remain, the harder it is to get it up. See, I realize now why she checked that garden every day. Because she understood that to put in the work, to get it to a certain place, but not have the discipline to maintain it was a complete waste of time. And I fear that many believers in our spiritual walks, in our spiritual lives, we get to a certain place. We get it to look right. We get it where the flowers are blooming. We put the mulch on top of it. We get it to where it looks a certain way and we feel like, great, we're done. No. We have to have the discipline. We have to have the maintenance. We have to keep it up. So when I was asking the Lord, I said, well, what, what are some key points? What are some things that when we're looking at the soil of our heart, what are things that we really need to know? The first point was you have to know your heart. You have to know what you're fighting. See, the weeds that you may fight one person, if you live in a different place, it may be completely different. What you may have growing may not be the same thing that your neighbor has. See, the thing about it is, is if you don't know what's in your soil. See, I have to understand. I, I come uh, from parents, from, from a parent that, that was an alcoholic. I have a predisposition to that. So because I know that rock was in my soil, I had to dig it up. And I had to get it out. And, and, and I, I understand that I can't play with that. Somebody else may be able to play with it, but because I know my soil. See, the thing about it is sometimes we want to get this one-size-fits-all strategy. 
When in reality, when we spend time with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's going to tell you how to guard your heart. Because see, Scripture does not tell us to guard everyone's heart. But the Scripture says, guard your heart. How can you guard what you don't know? Anybody that's ever worked security, when they're guarding and fortifying a building, the first thing they're going to ask for is a blueprint. They need to know it extensively to be able to guard it effectively. But see, in the King James, that word keep, keep your heart, that not only means to guard, but it also means to maintain. See, sometimes we're good at fighting off the original invaders. We may be good at guarding against the big things, but it's the maintenance. It's the day-to-day. It's what seems mundane. It's what seems boring. It's not exciting to say that that's what you did today. Well, what is God doing in your life? Well, you know, I just, you know, just looking to make sure no weeds popped up in my heart today. It it, it doesn't sound flashy because it requires a discipline. It requires a discipline. The second thing when it comes to our heart is we need to dig up the rocks. It is so much easier. Whether you're in a garden, you're in a flower bed, it is so much easier that when you dig up and you find something, and you, if it doesn't come out easy, the tendency is to just pour the dirt on top of it and just keep it going. Because there's a temptation that says, well, it's been there that long and I've been okay. There's a temptation that says, well, well, whenever it sprouts out to the top, I'll just rip it off before anybody can see it. I'm the only one that really is going to know that it's there. But digging up those rocks, because the things that the rock, not only does the rock keep the water from getting to the root, the rock keeps the roots from getting as deep as they need to be. So when the word of God is being planted in you, when when faith is being planted to you, when hope, when love, when generosity, when when these things are trying to take root so, so you no longer become flaky and inconsistent, but you're trying to get rooted and established and grounded in the word of God, that root will sometimes run into a rock that says, I'll let her grow to this point, but no longer. The third principle is cut down your thorns. Cut down your thorns. See, the rock affects the root, but remember, the thorns affect the fruit. I remember asking my great-grandmother, why every single day? What really can grow in a day? Like once a week isn't enough? Lord, I can't just go to church once a week. That won't be enough to tend the garden every single day. Because she said, baby, if, if a vine were to grow up, if a weed were to grow, what it does is it attaches itself to your fruit. 
And she said, not only is it going to attach itself, it's going to strip it of the nutrients. It's going to take the water. It's going to take what that fruit needs to grow and to develop and to come full circle. And it's going to wrap around it and it's going to choke it out. She said, baby, you have to remember the whole reason that we're going through this entire process is to bear fruit. Sometimes I fear that in, in, in the kingdom, we get caught up in busyness and processes, but we forget that our whole entire purpose is to bear fruit so that our Father in heaven may be glorified. You see, it doesn't matter the busyness that you schedule for yourself day to day, Sunday to Sunday, but where is the fruit? She said, I, I can't even imagine, she said, to go through what it took to get the ground ready and to not have something to show for it. See, sometimes we, we, we get into a thought process where we feel like salvation is the main prize. And while it is a miracle and, we, and, and salvation we will attain in heaven, but while we are here on this earth, we are, we are commanded to bear fruit. That is what shows who our Father in heaven is, by our fruit. Not only enough fruit for us to live off of, but those around us as well. Because see, what happens is sometimes you may have fruit coming up, but if the thorns come up as well, sometimes your fruit of service can get choked out by the thorn of bitterness in your heart. So where now all the hard work and the service that you're giving in the kingdom, it's so choked out by the bitterness that your fruit doesn't even bless anybody, but that we can get poisoned by eating it. See, keeping the thorns out of the ground allows the fruits to be sweet, to be delicious, to be something that is desirable. But, but what, what happens is when a little weed goes unchecked, a little thorn is allowed to grow. And you say, well, I'm going to take a few days off because it's hot. I'm tired. I don't feel like it. Yeah, I see it growing, but the fruit will be fine. What happens is sometimes the fruit can get spoiled, the fruit can get rotted, and now You've wasted your time. There's a definition that I want to give you today, and it's the word cultivate. The definition is to prepare and work on land in order to raise crops, to promote or improve the growth of by labor and attention to to devote oneself to an art or a craft to foster growth and development. One thing that I really believe that will get us to that next level where the Lord wants to get us as disciples, as disciples that bear fruit, is we have to get a heart to cultivate whatever ground we have and we have to get the discipline to be able to keep the cycle going. See, what happens is, have you, ever, have you ever met seasonal people in church? 
See, see, there are times where some years they felt, I can tell sometimes you felt like tilling your ground this year, didn't you? You, you, you felt like cultivating and getting the rocks and the thorns and you felt like planting this year. Let me change it. Let me say I. There are seasons and times where it's more easy to cultivate than others. There are times where the ground, there's been enough rain to where you can get out with a shovel. You can get out and you can get to going and cultivating the dirt. And you say, it's not that bad. I can do this. Oh, but those seasons when it's been a drought. And now it's like breaking up hard rock. And it's breaking off hard ground. And I, and I feel like the Lord is saying that's why we walk by faith and not by sight. Because see, what will happen, there's a difference between your soul and your spirit. See, your soul is your mind, will, and your emotions. There's going to be plenty of times that your soul is not going to feel like planting. There's going to be times where you're not going to feel like digging and getting to the bottom of an issue. Because, see, the thing about it is this. Every time something pops up, how small the situation may be, because there's an outward manifestation, what that is is showing you of what lives below the surface. See, there are times that the Lord will allow things to sprout up in your own heart, to allow things to sprout up in your own life, because he wants to show you, hey, I just want to let you know that this is under there. I really want to dig this up. You don't have to carry your mother's anger anymore. I, 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 want, to, I want to dig this up. You know, your, your father was really insecure about money, and, and he was so worried about being poor, and he held on, and he was afraid to tithe, and he passed that fear on to you, so now you're afraid to trust me because this generational rock is in your ground. Hey, I, I want to dig that up. See, because a lot of things, the things that are deposited into us, what happens is a lot of times when you don't want to do the work to get your soil to a good place, we get content to let whatever can grow, grow. In my neighborhood, there are a couple of houses where you could tell they've given up. On containing the vine. I have not given up. By and large, because when one little piece of vine sprouts up, I'm like, uh-uh. Because I've dug up what was there before me that felt like it had been there 20 and 30 years. But what happens is sometimes the work to cultivate is so discouraging. People will allow to grow whatever grows naturally and call it a flower. <laughs> when we talk about real and counterfeit fruit, self-deception is the worst kind of deception. Because although somebody else may not really know what's underneath the soil of your garden, we always know. 
I, I, I can tell you where the I can tell you where there were more rocks. I can tell you where there were more thistles. I can tell you the parts of my heart that I had to dig up when it got uncomfortable. I can tell you the parts of my heart to where it got, this is just a little bit too deep. I've been living with this for 30 years. It's okay. Let me just learn how to maintain it. I can tell you about the parts as well where as soon as it popped up, immediately I got on it. But I can also tell you about the rocks that I inherited that I said to myself, somebody has to be the one to dig these up because I don't want to pass these on to my kids. This may not be a traditional altar call message today, but this message was a message of discipleship. It was a word for the mature, and it was a word to remind us that just guarding our heart is not enough. But we have to maintain it. When I asked my great-grandmother, why do we have to go out there every day? She said, because, baby, if we don't, nobody else will. She said, it's my garden. It's my responsibility. She said, I, I, I can't outsource. And I said, well, can't you hire, get somebody to help? She said, I could. She said, but the time it would take me to teach somebody else. She said, I already know the land. She said, I know where it gets water. I know where it tends to get dry. I, I know what grows well where. I, I've spent so much time. See, sometimes we just got to roll up our sleeves and spend time plowing into our heart. When is the last time that you've really got with the Lord and you've asked, Lord, Take me deeper. I don't want to be, I don't want superficial words. I, I don't want to just get motivated and feel good enough and I can go for a little while. I want to get better. When is the last time we said, Lord, I'm bearing fruit, but I know I, I can bear more if these rocks were gone. See, when scripture talks about 30-fold, 60, 100-fold, the master in you alone. See, the master knows what he created you to produce. And sometimes, how, how sad would it be if we're supposed to be bearing a hundredfold and we're content and happy with 70? Sometimes we just need to get before the Lord on our face and ask him, Lord, show me the thorns in my life. Show me the rocks, Lord. Show me the areas where I need to be pruned. Show me the areas where I need to be cultivated, where I'm producing some, but I can produce even more. Because as a workman that needeth not be ashamed before the master, bearing much fruit is not only the sign of giving God glory, but there were times that when neighbors fell on hard times, they would come to my great-grandmother because they knew in that garden she not only had enough to feed herself and her family, but then when there was somebody else who was in need, 
she had enough to give. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you would like to know more about Embassy City Church, please visit us at embassycity.com and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Embassy Irving.